everyone, and welcome to the Paper Plane Cocktail Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Amy Lowenberg, Relations and Partnership Development Manager at New York Now. I treasure the relationships I've established, and I relish in the new ones that I make every day, sharing information and introducing our amazing community of retailers, buyers, artists, and makers through my Spotlight podcast at New York Now and my store tours on Instagram. And I am your co-host, Sarah. You may know me as the founding editor and editor-in-chief of Stationary Trends Magazine, my site, The Paper Nerd, or possibly my other podcast, The Paper Fold. I have been covering the stationery and gift industry since 1997, but never did I imagine that I'd one day be covering the market here in the virtual space. So throughout 2021, we'll be raising our glasses alongside our pencils as we share stories, compare notes, and celebrate three of our all-time favorite topics Stationary, connection, and cocktails. Cheers! Listening to you say that, it's a little hard to believe that our year of stationary cocktails and conversation is winding down, Amy. Not that it's ending. I know. (laughs) (laughs) When we ring in the new year, we will also be bringing in more paper plane cocktail episodes. Absolutely. And, And it's exciting to look back and think that we've been doing this for a solid year now. Can you believe that? No. (laughs) No. Um, So we've started to plan for 2022, of course. But before we get ahead of ourselves, who are we having for drinks today? Frankly, I regard today's guest as a holiday gift to our listeners. It is none other than Karina Murray of Crow and Canary. She, I know, what a coup. Uh, (laughs) She is definitely greatly admired in our community and even something of a celebrity. If your range gets picked up by Crow and Canary, it's not just a compliment to your talent. It's a sign that your work has attained a certain indie cult status or will very soon. Oh, completely agreed. I just, I love looking at her website and walking through the Crow and Canary booth at New York now and just seeing all those cool lines they support. Um, I'm always introduced to a new talented designer I truly believe that Karina's eyes should be insured. (laughs) It's no wonder that she's a master at what she does. And we owe it all to her childhood obsession with Sanrio stationery sets. My God, um, that's what ignited her lifelong love for cards and papers. My gosh, Sarah, do you remember collecting Sanrio? Oh my gosh, I sure do. That was a super hot commodity in my third grade circle. (laughs) (laughs) But there is something really special about seeing all that brightly colored product laid out there, especially when you're a child, that you just want it all. Um, And some of us uh, never truly get past that feeling and end up here, I guess. (laughs) No, agreed. (laughs) Um, But Karina also credits her dad for being an excellent pen pal and unearthing some of the neatest greeting cards a girl could dream of in her formative years. But it was only when Karina began experimenting with letterpress typesetting during her undergraduate days at the Evergreen State College and tinkered with her own Chandler and Price Platinum Press that the stationary bug really bit her. So it seems that an early love for snail mail and great design were driving forces in the formation of Crow and Canary in 2006. Karina is a true champion of independent stationers and designers, which is more than evident as seen in her enthusiasm for the industry. Oh, wow. Well, let's bring her on already. Yep. Hi, Karina. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Thank you so much. So I have to tell you, almost every client I consult with wants you to take them on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And as such, you sort of have a magical reputation in the industry. Uh, Getting picked up as a crow and canary range is akin to getting a paper source purchase order. Uh, So, but before we get to your business, I want to talk about your eye. Uh, So when you first see a greeting card range, and I mean, when, if you are shopping in a store or someone is, is pitching you, uh, what elements uh, tend to comprise the secret sauce that sets a great range apart from a good one? Oh, I love that question. Yes. Um, honestly, it really is originality. So just a distinctly different point of view than things that I've seen on the market is one of the biggest parts of what we're looking for. For instance, um, you know, there are lines sometimes that you pick something up and you expect to turn it over and it be a certain line and it's not. And you think, oh, well, they're, you know, they're finding their voice. It's a, it's a little too close to some things. So we're really looking to pull something off the shelf and say, holy smokes, like, where did this come from? I've never seen this line before. That's really a big part of of the magic for us is just, you know, completely fresh perspective. On top of that, we're also, you know, we're pretty specific in what we're looking for. Um, We love handmade elements. So letterpress, screen printing, um, some sort of like laser cutting or hand cut paper element is catnip for us as well. We really are interested in, in representing things that have that element. Um, we typically also represent lines that are made in the U.S. Um, that's been important to us. And for the most part, it's pretty small businesses. You know, folks do grow over time and scale. Some people we've been working with for over a decade, and they've seen, you know, quite a bit of, of growth over the years. But we're really hoping to find a line in its infancy and be able to help guide them and grow over time. So that's really... It, it, Sounds simple, but that's sometimes hard to find, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, it. you know, it's very hard to sort of, uh, you know, especially when makers are starting out to like be true to their voice, not be derivative to, you know, there's a lot of uh, balls in the air. And uh, sometimes it takes a while for uh, people to develop. And sometimes they develop in like really interesting directions, like, um, one range of yours that has had like an incredible evolution is say gingerbread. How, how long yes, have you had yes. that? On? Oh gosh, how long have I you believe, represented Stacy? I think it's we're probably going on three years next year. Gosh, it's all the time goes by so quickly. I feel like I'm um you know like a mom in that way where I'm like oh, <laughs> you know it's been this year already. But um I'm thinking around three years. The pandemic has definitely given me some um, time warps a little bit. But yeah, and you're right. We Gingerbread is a great example because Stacy had been in contact with us um, pretty early on from when she launched. And we just stayed in contact over the years. You know, originally uh, for us, the initial look was too specific. And then as she broadened and also began to bring on a number of gift items, too, that's really appealing to us. Doing New York Now and having gift makes a really big difference. So not only are we looking for folks that have a strong card line, but having a lot of gift categories is wonderful. So um, Gingerbread really fit the bill there. Um, and uh, gosh, Stacy really is just an excellent example of someone who really politely kept in contact and checked in with me and made a point to, um, to chat with me when we ran into each other at shows. And I've had a few evolutions like that with folks that maybe I met at a show and said, it's not right now, but maybe let's check in and and see where it goes in the future. And we do sometimes end up representing those folks. So I love that part of it. 
Well, so that's a really yeah. good segue into what I was uh, going to lead into. Not not to cut you short, but I'd love to expand on yeah, that no, aspect no, a little okay. bit. It's okay. Absolutely. So just essentially that, you know, it's a pretty small industry, right? So I think it's it's great to just be on good terms with people. And I will specifically tell folks if someone pitches me, and it's not right in the moment for whatever reason, I will say, hey, please add me to your mailing list. Or, you know, why don't you check in with me a year from now if it seems like it is something that could have legs for us and that we could move forward in a partnership. And, you know, I also try to be pretty frank if something just isn't a match for us and and say, most definitely there's a market for it. However, it's just not our particular market. Um, So keep that in mind as well that, you know, I think it's really about just setting expectations. And I try and do that pretty, pretty clearly. So actually, you're 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 touching on something that I'd love to dive a little deeper into. Um, it is super mm-hmm. exciting when you build those relationships, and I love that you're meeting people at at the New York Now Market. But uh, on the other side, I, I have a growing number of newer designers who are reaching out to me, and they're they're looking to connect with retailers, but they're so new to this process that they just they really need help. So. You know, you're a nationally recognized rep group and you specialize in modern paper goods and gift items, as you just mentioned. Um, But when is the best time for a designer of those goods to work with a rep group like Crow and Canary? Yes. Very great question, Amy. Um, It is sort of a, there are a number of things that need to be happening. A line has to be established enough that they are offering enough product, right? So if you launch with 15 cards and are doing it really slowly and just kind of trying to see what the market is interested in, then that's not the, quite the right timing for us. You know, we want really, um, you know, a pretty fully fleshed out comprehensive line. So we typically say it at least 45 to 50 cards within the range. As I mentioned before as well, we love seeing gift items, especially categories of gifts that don't have a saturation in the market already. And just for fun, some of those items would be, um, we're always looking for ornaments, uh, calendars, planners, pens. Those are the type of things that uh, our buyers are asking for. So, you know, we are always keeping our eyes open for those. So that also can be a really good inroads for both reps and retailers is, you know, Mm -hmm. taking that leap and making that investment. And, you know, the truth of the matter is it's sometimes you just have to kind of get your feet wet. So making sure that your pricing and your minimums are on par with industry standards is going to make a big difference when you're working with retailers and reps. And, um, you know, thinking about just the sort of things that timing for releases, right? If you, you know, are just now thinking about releasing holiday to the wholesale market, then probably pretty too, you know, you're pretty late for that to, to move mm-hmm. forward. So just really knowing and understanding the schedule. Um, and I think maybe you guys have talked with Katie Hunt before, but I have worked with her for proof to product yeah. and done lots of education. And that is such a great wealth of information. There's all sorts of programs, um, proof to products, one of them, but right. I really encourage um, folks that are just starting out in wholesale to, to try on some different programs, even just free resources there's so much that is available depending on what, you know, what your budget may look like for education, but it's much easier to find, you know, what sort of things that uh, retailers are looking for and expecting online than it was 15 years ago uh, when I started. I remember just looking for an example of a trade show booth within our industry and yeah. I found one tiny thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you mentioned like, when you mentioned, for example, that Gingerbread wasn't right for you at first, you sort of said she wasn't there. Were you referring, because when she started, for example, um, she was just really focused on baby, which is like a great right. segment that it isn't 
you know, it isn't like well-rounded enough for you to be able to kind of like show a exactly. retailer. Because if a retailer doesn't have a great baby business, then they wouldn't, they would pass on that. And that's like yeah. sort of a missed opportunity for you. So yeah. um, when you were, when you were speaking about how she wasn't ready, that's, that's kind of what. Right. Yes. The categories were too niche for us in terms of, like you said, being very baby focused. And I think I may be wrong. It's like I said, my memory's a little spotty these days, but um, I don't think she had as many greeted cards either. So that was a factor for us. We're always looking for like lots of greeted cards, lots of occasions, folks that are doing holiday. Um, and, it, you know, just really watching as she grew, I loved that she started, you know, thinking about some different themes. So she was super animal focused, right? When she launched. And now it's really expanded into all sorts of illustration and, you know, exactly what you said, Sarah, broaden the market for folks that maybe are like, ah, you know, this look is a little too children or baby focused. It's not going to match for my store. Now they have the opportunity to say, oh, there's all of these other things that I love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's enough selection now that people can easily put together orders that are within sort of certain themes, um, if that's all that they're looking for. So what do you suggest when, you know, a new designer may come to you and maybe they don't have the 45, 50 cards, maybe they've got like 25, but they've actually landed a couple of accounts, but they're just not versed in how to reach the retailer. And they're in that spot, just maybe some of your um, uh, professional advice, um, if they're not ready, like what, what other than like, Yes, like Katie Hunt and Proof the Product are fabulous. Like there are so many great resources out there, but sometimes it's hard for them to take that plunge. And I mm-hmm. find that I'm, I find that I'm constantly wanting to kind of nudge people in a in a certain direction. Um, what are some of those other directions or suggestions that you sure. might provide somebody in that space? Absolutely. Well, there's there are just so many free resources available in terms of marketing yourself and having the opportunity to get your products in front of the eyes of buyers. So, of course, it feels like it goes without saying, but social media, right? So making sure right. that you're posting regularly on social media. Instagram still seems to be sort of the, the king in terms of what our industry and for stationery is using. It is a very visual uh, product. And also the truth of the matter with social media too, is just that you can really, you can develop relationships with buyers if you're engaging authentically. So that's another opportunity for sure. You know, paying attention to the type of things that buyers are posting that they're purchasing for their shop too, to see if you're a fit. It's a way to kind of get- I think I'm going to interrupt because that is like the most important point I think that you just touched on is being present and really seeing what the community who you want to sell your product to, what they're saying, what are they speaking about? Yeah. Right. Right. And what do you add to the conversation that's a little different than what they're already showing? Like, how can Mm -hmm. you wow them and sort of bring it to the next level? Because you already see what they're selling their customers and talking up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Very well put. And Amy, that also reminds me, you know, I know that you have been making your shop trips for a while now. I think that's really important for manufacturers too. You know, I know not everyone's in a major city or an area that does have a wealth of, of wonderful independent retailers, but if you're traveling to other cities, wherever you have the opportunity to go yeah. in, take a look around, see what they're stocking. Sometimes you might even have the opportunity to meet the owner or the buyer. And again, have some sort of authentic exchange that goes a long way. And, you know, also really knowing the market. I do find I get pitched by, you know, for example, like, really commercial cards that would maybe perhaps be sold in a drugstore or photo-based cards. 
I would hope that if someone looks at the range that we represent and looks at our roster, they can see that that is not quite a fit. But sometimes people are too new in the industry to realize like, oh, those things don't usually have a lot of overlap. Um, so really just understanding where you fit in the marketplace makes a really big difference. You know, really you want to be complimentary next to people, right? Right, Absolutely. right. And yeah. You know, I love that you talked about like kind of finding your paper tribe, you know, whether it is proof to product. I mean, there are, there's a, so there's so many out, out there. Yeah. And, you know, I know we've been talking a lot about Stacey. I mean, she has this creative powerhouse society. And yes. That's a society I want to be in. Like a <laughs> totally. society. <laughs> I'm like creative power. I mean, there's so many groups. Wait, is this a secret society? I didn't know about it. What is it? <laughs> it is. We have a secret handshake. No, I'm I want to play. <laughs> I, I spoke for them and it was so amazing. It was a, you know, it was, a, it was a zoom. It was essentially, you know, a call. But um, when I came, I came in sort of right before I went on and sort of saw the tail end of their kind of all conversing amongst themselves. And it was amazing. Like I took stuff away from it and I'm not even in this business, at, you know, in that same segment um, of the business at all. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's such power in like just communing um, with, you know, like-minded creative yeah especially when we're all feeling so isolated. Uh, yes. and, and I think that speaks to the, the, your store visits too, Amy. I mean, I still feel isolated, but I, you know, it's so cool to, to see in one of your store visits, you know, a product that I might've only seen in market living in a store, Yeah, how a retailer takes it and yeah. you know what they do with it. Cause I, I never would have thought of it, you know, how, how they present it a lot of the time. And I, I will also say, and, you know, Karina, you can actually suggest push egg some people on who, you know, <laughs> um, I can't possibly get to all the stores I want to, and I want to. So um, right. I'm going to start doing um, remote store visits. And so oh, I will reach out to people. They're going to reach out to me, hopefully, and send me some pictures so that I can still do my store visits when, even if I can't physically, you know, step inside. That's great. I think that's a wonderful opportunity for everyone. Well, you know, some key people too. So <laughs> spread the word. Happy to be a connector. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Karina, we've talked, we've talked a lot about like, what you like to show, you know, your clients, what may, you know, how you sort of your criteria. But when we, when we look at like Crow and Canary, when we look at your business, um, you've mentioned to me that you like to have a certain balance of ranges uh, to offer retailers. I mean, my guess is it's so like, if you don't like this, I have this, you know, that, mm -hmm. type of, yep. um, that type of exchange. So I would, I'm curious about what comprises your equation for um, like a strong offering to present to your retail clients. Like what, what needs to be like, what pieces need to comprise the whole for you to go into a show <laughs> feeling like I've got it all. You don't like this. I have this, you know, that right. Yes. Well, it's interesting because um, there are a few ways you can look at it, especially at the show. It really becomes clear because people are operating in a more of a fast paced manner than in-store meetings. But, you know, sometimes if we show a line, whether it's at a show or um, in the store setting, then that can kind of dictate what they're going to want to see next. You know, if it's a first visit, we try to just show them everything and not make any assumptions about what it is they're going to buy. But, you know, if they're in a hurry and say recommend something, then, you know, if they start with 
XYZ press, then we know they're really likely to like something else. So that's a big factor. On the other hand, I think kind of speaking more to what you your question, Sarah, is there are some people that come in are only looking for like funny cards. They, they want humor. So there are a lot of cards within our roster that do not fit that bill, right? They're more sincere. They're more straightforward. So it's really always important to us that we're having the like the sort of the, the sentimental viewpoint, the artwork is always really key. However, when it comes to humor, it's more about the writing. So, you know, balancing those things as well. And then again, part of that magical equation seems to be, you know, the actual artist's point of view. So making sure that the way it's executed is done in a way that feels fresh and different and, you know, has some sort of element that we've not seen in the market yet. I mean, it must be hard. I mean, like I just from the my clients, I mean, it seems like everybody's asking what size, you know, should I do the A2? Should I do five by seven? Should it be greeted? Should it not be greeted? Should I be doing holidays? Should it be more millennial card sending? Like you've got to have it all because like that, I mean, I will say that there are definitely things that we typically A2 is more of the size we represent. There are a couple exceptions or, um, Gosh, what was one of the other things that you mentioned? Like we, we, inside. What do you do? Yeah. You have a lot of greeted inside cards? Pretty much none. That's not okay. something that most of our buyers want to um to have to deal with in terms of with the cellos. People end up taking them out. We always, you know, are we consider exceptions or if a line we're working with wants to introduce something like that, then we will help guide them around how they might want to package them, those sort of things. But yeah, there definitely are some more of the like minutiae points that are possibly deal breakers for us or things that we might have to consider as to whether that really is a match for the bulk of the stores that we're working with. Yeah. A rando question. What do you think about the naked card movement? (laughs) Oh, you know, as just a human being on this planet, I love that folks are getting, um, you know, creative around how to reduce waste and, you know, thinking about different ways that we can change packaging. However, with my business owner sales rep hat on, it's really challenging for a lot of stores. And, um, you know, especially in certain environments, I work with some great grocery stores that they still deal with tons of damage with the fellows, you know, coffee spills and fingerprints and different things. So I think offering um, eco-friendly packaging or like Amy, as you mentioned, like naked cards, cello-free cards is awesome. Um, however, there are going to be stores that it just doesn't work for. So having both options, I think is, is kind of still where we're at. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very challenging. We, we want to do what, what's, what's right for our, you know, for our planet. Um, but I have to admit, I've, I've looked at card spinners and racks where I've had to kind of like fan through the card so I could get one that wasn't damaged. Right. Yeah. Dog-eared edges and all that. Right. Yeah. It's very bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember with when with more like, you know, uh, physical, like with with address books and stuff like that, like with more, you know, tangible items. Like I love it when retailers put one out and then have a pile of pristine ones by it. That's always my favorite. It's a little more challenging with greeting with greeting cards. Like I it's hard to imagine how you could do that on, say, a card wall. For example. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just trying to keep track of hundreds of SKUs is, is, is a big thing. You know, I'm looking through your website as I have on multiple occasions. Um, I will also just do a little call out for Kimberly, my homegirl. Love her. Um, but I was just in North Carolina and I went into a store called Sally Mac and uh, picked up my little E. Francis um, little notes. And I see that uh, E. Francis is one of the lines that you uh, um, carry. 
Yes. And actually, E. Francis is a wonderful sort of um, background. We started in a mentorship role um, with E. Francis before they even launched. So um, I did some some coaching with Allie, who is one of the three owners of E. Francis, and she is the illustrator. She is she is definitely the the big talent behind all of the amazing designs. Um, so it was it's really been fun to uh, you know have had a little bit of my fingers within um, you know the the origin of the line and and just being able to really be have a front seat to the the way that they have grown and you know they are such an amazing line. Our our stores just love E Francis. Oh, I love my little oh, note cards. That's I'm one of my pass favorite. them out along my travels. And Um, Allie just won won the inaugural Illustrator of the Year, Louie. I mean, like, I really wanted her to win it. And it was very well deserved, I thought. She's, she, her stuff is amazing. I'm so jealous of what you two ladies do, because you actually get to work with people like this and help them evolve their line and actually see you get to contribute to the success of somebody. And um, I just, I applaud you both. I think that's awesome. Well, Amy, you are a part of that infrastructure too, right? We're all dependent on one another for this to happen. In a different way. Absolutely. That's why I always give my opinion of like, Sarah and I are known for giving our opinions on like, hey, that's your next new card. That's your next new product. Yes. We are into product development. Um, so, um, I'm curious, um, it's been a crazy couple of years, as you mentioned, and I, and I think time has done kind of a number on all of us in that, like, I find myself, like someone will mention an article or something and I'll be like, oh, that was like two years ago. And it was like four years ago or yes, <laughs> like I'm way off. But, um, with all that said, like, how do you feel the events of the past um, 18 months or so have changed, um, how you see stationary um, and how do you think this category kind of has evolved in consumer perception? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the beautiful things uh, when the pandemic was really, you know, just starting when we were beginning to shelter in place um, is that I noticed a lot of people were looking for meaningful cards, right? Like that was a communication for the folks that did have more of a, you know, a slowdown in terms of um, their work schedule, had less things, had more availability, you know, to do some of these things that they don't in their normal everyday life. I think there was a big uh, boost in terms of people thinking about sending cards for different reasons, which is awesome, right? I love seeing that. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing that often surprises people is, outside of the pandemic, just generally, um, I would say sort of support and friendship cards are our second best seller uh, for categories. So there's a need and a want for that at all times. And I think it has really skyrocketed. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's year round. I mean, like this category, they do not need to be told that you need to send someone a card. Like there is a market out there that just sees the card and picks it up and sends it to their friend or holds on to it and then sends it. Exactly. Occasion presents itself. And that is a huge uh, behavior change, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that's really big. And then the other element that I love seeing is, you know, although retailers were most definitely put in a really challenging position, very stressful, um, that so many communities turned out in different ways to support stores, you know, so whether, um, you know, folks were doing curbside pickup orders or, you know, ordering um, online and getting their uh, items shipped to them. I love that folks are rallying around small businesses. And I'm really hopeful that maybe that was eye-opening for some folks that don't work within our industry to understand that if you want these stores to stick around, we have to be supporting them year round. Like, you know, we, 
as much as Amazon uh, had an uptick during the pandemic, I, I think people also had epiphanies around the importance of small business too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the reality is, is that these big behemoth, you know, places are, are always going to be around. So, um, you know, it's a matter of how we work alongside with them and, you know, something that you've also uh, mentioned earlier when we really talk about what, what are some of the qualifications that you're looking for in, in, in the lines that you carry, like you mentioned made in the USA, you know, we are looking at all like sustainability. We're looking at um, a good company ethos, right? You've mentioned yes. this too. So um, it kind of makes sense that after going through this last 18 months, I mean, this is the point that I'm pulling together from what you're sharing is that going mm-hmm. through this past 18 months and how we've all shifted, we all have kind of moved into this, you know, greater uh, supportive community place. And we do understand what the independent retailer is doing. And there is more support in some in some areas. So we just will continue to evolve. And we, we need people like you who can continually be a voice of so many designer makers and who's so connected to the retail um, aspect of, of, of what you do. You know, it's easier and easier to find those companies that have an aligned ethos with your own. So why don't you share a little bit of your own company ethos? Sure. So this is sort of a tangential, but not not exactly spot on, but it always feels important for me to say this because it's a big part of what guides um who we bring on and who we work with long-term is that we're really looking to collaborate with folks that have similar values, that are flexible, that are thoughtful, that um, that understand if we're making suggestions or have requests, it's for the good of everyone. You know, it's not something that we're the only ones that will benefit from. So that's a really big part of the process before we pick up a line is making sure that, that folks don't have a rigid viewpoint. Um, and, you know, not to say that we... We also don't have the expectation that they're going to make a laundry list of changes either, but we want to be able to have a dialogue and we typically wait to share things with lines um, when we get to the point where we're hearing something multiple times. Right. Um, so, you know, getting and getting feedback around pricing or um, I think, Sarah, you mentioned you both mentioned about product development. Right. Folks saying like, oh, my gosh, why don't they make this car? This would be such a shoe in for what they're doing. So we pass that feedback on and it's really helpful. You know, I know. They can't do it all the time, but if they're able to to work on some of those requests and things, it goes a long way. Um, and you know, trusting our experience and our um, you know our trusting our experience within this industry is huge. You know, knowing yes. that if we're asking for terms, um, it's because we work with a client for ten years, and and you know, simply not pushing back on everything. Um, goes a really long way. But oh yeah, God. and and overall, much like you touched on, Amy, I would just, you know, we really want to work with people that understand small business. And sometimes a, a little bit of a red flag for me is if I were, were thinking about me meeting with someone and bringing them on, you know, if their biggest goal is that they want to be in really big box stores and don't understand that the bulk of what we do is working with small retailers, then we're probably not a fit for them, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's not where our focus and energy lies. Like we're happy to have some of those larger orders, but those orders are not what sustain businesses um, in terms of the folks that we work with and the work that we do out on, on the field, so to speak. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I'm sure you must have kind of a spidey sense by now. Like when you see a line and you're like, oh, I think I like it. I think I like it. And then you're intrigued, but then my guess is then you have to, you talk to the, you know, you have a conversation and you just like kind of get a sense of them and you see if it, if it's a good, 
if it's a good match, like you've been doing yeah. this long enough that like you sort of, you sort of know how many ranges do you care currently have? We have just a little over 20 right now. And we, um, so pre pandemic, we would try to look at bringing online end of year and then usually April, May, and, you know, everything has sort of gone off the rails in, in terms of that. But um, it is important to us that we are regularly sort of refreshing and and bringing on new items because that's one of the biggest questions we get, uh, whether we're meeting with folks in stores or at shows. What's new? Do you have any new lines? People right. are really excited to be connected with new products. Um, so, you know, that's a really big factor. And then the other piece for us is that I, you know, I have six wonderful reps that work uh, for Crow and Canary in different territories, too. So I try to get as much of a consensus as possible, making sure that they think, you know, any new prospects will work in their territory or if they have concerns, then um, it's something I can address when I do talk to uh, the owner if we're thinking about bringing someone on. But there are a lot of moving parts and it's always really exciting when we land on something that, um, you know, just is a fit right away. I would think that you've got a little bit of a testing ground with Kimberly and her Measure Twice store in Brooklyn. Right. Well, and truthfully, we are just we have so many amazing retailers that have, um, you know, will tell us about lines that they think we should know about or, you know, really recommend that a line reaches out to us. It's not always a fit, but oftentimes that is a really great connection is, is having stores that know what we do have worked with us for years and, and really um, are aware of the type of things that we're looking for when they give us recommendations, then we're really going to make sure we take a look and, and see what the line has to offer. Mm. Well, listen, I think Sarah and I could probably talk with you all day long. Um, <laughs> it would be so. my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it would be ours as well. Um, but I, I think it would be um, remiss of us not to ask you, is there anything that we haven't touched on or that you would like to share um, now's your time to give us all the stats on how to connect with you and all that fun uh, stuff. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, just going to the website is really where you're going to find the wealth of information in terms of contact information. If you're a buyer uh, who's not worked with us and you're interested, you can also see our catalogs online. We have a wholesale portal. All that good stuff is available at crowandcanary.com. Um, and same for socials. It's all Crow and Canary as well. So yeah, we're just really excited that we're moving towards um, being able to connect in person with more folks that really, I think, is energizing um, for all of us. And I know I'm probably not overstepping by speaking for you both that it was probably very challenging, you know, during our our, our lockdown time to feel like you're working in a silo. I really, it yeah. made me realize how much I, you know, have at times taken for granted having that in-person connection with people is just amazing within, specifically within our industry. It's really strong. Absolutely. I mean, you don't, you, and I didn't realize how much I missed it until I was back at, at the show, until I was back at market and, yeah. uh, and not only seeing people, but especially with such a tactile product, getting to touch it, like, and see it in real life is like, yes, enormous, right? Yeah. There's no replacing it online. It's, it's, you know, we all have to learn how to appreciate the additional tools that we have. Um, but there is no replacing in real life. It really is. We are in a business of relationships. We really are. It's kind of beautiful, the relationships that you've developed and you, my dear Sarah Schwartz, um, (laughs) I, I learn from both of you as I watch and talk with you. So thank you for your relationship with us and, uh, where and when can we find you next? 
we will be in New York now in February 2022. So there we you look go. That's what I was looking to for. To your two faces there. <laughs> <laughs> and many others. I'm sure most, uh, I hope yeah. most folks that are listening will also be attending. So it'll be a fun reunion. Oh, they're attending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to contend with me. So they're attending. And We're all you, good. And if you meet Karina in real life, make sure you check out her nails. Because she has a I, I, I do love a good arty manicure. That's for sure. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we say thank you so much for spending this time with us on the paper plane cocktail hour. And um, we look forward to seeing and speaking with you soon. Perfect. Thank you again, ladies. Thank you. Well, that was fun. Uh, you know, I wanted to have Karina on here for some time. So yeah. it's very rewarding uh, for me, for us to personally end this year, having at least achieved that. <laughs> um, however, we are looking forward to next year. And I love your brilliant approach to our episodes in 2022. Why don't you spell, Amy? Well, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, I thought we would tackle 2022 in the way of any great story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. So January through April, we'll be examining community players in their first act. Um, May through August, we'll be highlighting those in their next phase, whatever that phase may be. While September through December will be devoted to those we feel who have established their businesses, a following and a positioning within the industry and, and are just living their best brand lives. I, I love I love that phrase. I love that concept. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have just started penciling folks in. Uh, so if any of you listeners, if you have any ideas, please give us a shout to that end. Amy, where can our listeners find you in the meantime? You can connect with me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or just email me at work. I always want to highlight our amazing community on my New York Now Spotlight podcasts and, and feature you guys on my Instagram store tours. I'm available to help connect you to new and needed resources and to answer any of your New York Now or SF Now market or digital market questions. And where can we connect with you, Sarah? Probably the best place to connect with me is at thepapernerd.com. You can see more fabulous stationary coverage. Check out my podcast, The Paper Fold, and access stationary trends, the industry's award-winning design-driven trade quarterly as well. It's always a pleasure for me to learn more about makers and spotlight their work, whether it's in a publication, blog, or podcast. If you want to connect, I'd love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out to either of us with comments, questions, feedback, suggestions for guests, or just to say hi and introduce yourself. Thank you again so much, and we will talk with you soon. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>